Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello! How are you, Aaron? You know what? I'm, I'm doing well. We, I, we have jumped into 2023. We jumped in. Woo! There was a line. We jumped oh, wow. over it. We, went, we got in there. You skipped the queue. <laughs> skipped the, skip the queue to 2023. Yeah. That's right. We got there. Oh, we're going international now. Yeah. Men was... in Black International. So yeah, do it doing well. I had a I had a very nice New Year's Eve with my lovely girlfriend, the lovely Anna there you Bosch. Go. Uh, we, Did you guys yeah. go out or you guys stay in? We we went out. Yeah, we went, went to a night like, okay. our favorite restaurant, and then we went over to the uh, the old Ritz Carlton and uh, hung out there. The old Ritz Carlton. Mm-hmm. We didn't. I didn't have my monocle or my top hat, but we still had a good time uh, just being okay. on, on the on the premises and what have you. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a good New Year's Eve. How about you? I'm doing well. You might sound or you might hear that i might be a little still sick uh from our last show uh but i'm doing well the new year's was nice there were a lot of illegal fireworks around and it was nice to see those uh <laughs> and not just like the ones in the streets the ones that actually opened in the sky it was pretty great you know i'm glad the sky that, flowers that, yeah the sky flower ones those are always nice to have uh in my neighborhood um, and i'm glad that they didn't do it for an extended period like i i don't mind fireworks i like them and i know that some dogs really hate them and some pets do but during July 4th period, when people are just start going in May, I was like, oh, this is too early, guys. Like Memorial <laughs> Day is way too early. And then it goes through June and July. It's like, guys, can we like at least have a week off? But uh, tonight or, or a couple of nights ago, it was just all quiet. So um, it's been it's been a nice uh, 2023 so far. Would you say it was all quiet on the Western Front? Well, no, I'm not Terrence, but, um, you know, <laughs> I guess since since the war is over, it's been over for 100 plus years now. That and was World War One, right? And you're on the West Coast. There, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for the tsunami warning because uh, we're going to have pretty serious weather, I guess. And I'm waiting for the tsunami warning because Godzilla is arriving. Yeah, but, you know, Aquaman comes back this year and he's going to find the Lost Kingdom. So, oh, OK. Control All the water right. that way and uh, we'll see what happens. All right, in in a fight between Aquaman and uh, Namor, who do you have winning? Mm. <laughs> this is a very good question, Dave. You don't have to put too much thought into it. I'm just curious if you have any like because uh, I don't know. I, I my money kind of is on Namor. Not I feel like Namor just because he can do air. I mean, yeah, but like but he also Aqu- seems like a jerk. Like not again, not from the movies, from the comic books. He's like, you know, well, he is a really jerk. good that's guy his or thing. That's, a bad he's guy. A, that's very much a part of his character. Yeah, exactly. He's so he's just like, I don't, I don't, I'll just beat this guy up. I don't care. Like, and he also seems like he can be limited. Like Aquaman. Does, yeah, it doesn't seem like Aquaman. Like there's a thing that's like, oh, now I don't have my powers anymore. Like, you, but Namor is like, you get him dry. Suddenly, like this guy's like, oh, all right. You beat him up a little bit. <laughs> Aquaman's just like, oh, no, I'm drunk. I can't fight anymore. Yes, I can. I'm kidding. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> I was never drunk in the first place. <laughs> so, okay, Out Now is a film podcast. We're able to discuss new movies weekly. We have like to have these special bonus episodes also, whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks, some thoughts on news of the day, or something completely different. And this is something a little different because it's uh we got a we got a triple review coming your way this Whoa. week. Uh, something that I'm referring to as the dubba 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 w three, because uh, we're talking the whale, <laughs> white noise, and women talking. 
so have i been have i been enjoying that for the past week waiting for this episode to go yes yes i have <laughs> but, um, <laughs> i like it i like that you've been sitting on these gems but the uh, the w3 is where it's at right now so we're gonna talk that's about these three movies and that's it <laughs> um, yeah, but that's three movies cool. that's three reviews it's plenty of stuff is this a special episode or is this a regular episode oh it's a special episode oh okay, yeah okay because it's, yeah, cause it's right. just this the W three, sure. <laughs> the W three. <laughs> um, so let, let's do quick show notes here. Uh, first up, it is a new year that we have arrived, uh, which means that of course our top ten episode is coming very soon, uh, probably a couple weeks from now at the time of this recording. Uh, so stay tuned for that because that's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, otherwise, iTunes reviews ratings. Of course, log on to iTunes, search for right now. If they're in a give us a rating interview, be great. Yeah, thank you so much in advance. All right. Let's uh, let's do it. Let's get to these reviews, starting with our first review for The Whale. I know these rules can feel constraining, but remember, the point of this course is to learn how to write clearly and persuasively. Think about that. Think about the truth of your argument. You're an amazing person, Ellie. I couldn't ask for a more incredible daughter. Are you actually trying to parent me right now? Who would want me to be a part of their life? You don't stay in touch with mom? She really only tells me things about you. Why? Because that's all I want to know about. Why'd you gain all that weight? Someone close to me passed away, and it had an effect on me. All right, that should have been some of the trailer for The Whale. Director Darren Aronofsky has returned with his first film since 2017's Mother, the Whale is adapted from a play by Samuel D. Hunter, who also co- who also wrote the screenplay. The story focuses on Brendan Fraser's Charlie, a reclusive, obese man who teaches online courses with his webcam shut off. During an eventful week, Charlie's heart is close to failing him, and he's suddenly been given an opportunity to reconcile things of his estranged daughter, played by Sadie Sink. The film also stars Hong Chow as his only friend and nurse, Ty Simpkins as a missionary attempting to evangelize Charlie, and Samantha Morton as Charlie's ex-wife, whom he left for another man. What will come of Charlie during this tumultuous time? Abe. Yes. I want to know your thoughts on Darren Aronofsky's The Whale, but I will add, we are talking about three movies, so we need to go through these with some sense <laughs> Expeditiously? So right now, I'm going to start the clock, and I'm pressing the button. <laughs> it's going. <laughs> it's counting down. You know that we can summarize this very quickly. I think that The Whale is... Interesting movie from the standpoint of uh, I think it was based on a play and uh, I can definitely see that aspect of it because I was thinking to myself, oh, it's actually really interesting that Aronofsky chose to kind of just make an all in one room. But it's again, it works as a stage play. I I don't know if it's the best movie and in large part because I don't know if it's a movie in which redemption is fully given to the main character in a way that I think maybe that the film wants to make me feel and make me believe in large part because I think that there was a lot of good people in this movie from an acting perspective, but from like a personality perspective, I, I just feel like there's, I think Charlie is a very empathetic character. And then Liz, who's played the Hong Chao, who could be nominated for best, best sporting. Uh, she's doing good work in here, but other than that, like, you know, you have the person who comes over to his place, you know, the, the missionary kid, played by Ty Simpkins and his daughter and later his wife. And I don't know if it's a movie that really hit me emotionally in a, in a way that I think perhaps was intended. So overall, like I could see the, the praise for Brendan Fraser for sure. I think he's bringing a lot to the table, but as a movie, I'm just thinking to myself, like it, it's good, but it's not great. I'm in the same boat 
And it's the kind of movie where I think it's been going less and less on me since seeing it. Similar mm-hmm. to She Said, actually. A movie that I just like less and less every time I think Nobody's about really it. talking about She Said anymore for work intention. That's because it's bad. Um, but, <laughs> but this is, uh, I think, Aronofsky's weakest film. Um, and I like Aronofsky. I I, yeah. I, would, I generally like his movies. I like the intensity he brings to them. That's certainly the case here. Uh, in the opening minutes alone, it's like, this is a lot <laughs> to take in. Right. Um, but I agree with you very much on the path this movie takes towards trying to achieve a redemption for Charlie's character and it just not being there in the end. Um, we can get back to that, but mm-hmm. I do think the film suffers from honestly its staginess i've talked about this before when it comes to state adaptations i'm not inherently against them but it does occur to me very often when we are watching a stage adaptation because it, it tends to feel very stagey sometimes it's handled in a stylish way where i can accept it such as ma rainey's black bottom for example but mm-hmm. a lot of times i just like can't get past what feels like a a construct that's in my way because the director is choosing to use this format for the film and it just doesn't wall that it doesn't make it feel more natural or organic to me and it's cinema i think it's supposed to be stylized in in any case because it's not it's fictional to begin with but right. there's something about like the way this thing's set and the way the characters are acting it just never rang true to me so it was hard for me to connect to this film on an emotional level even though it very much wants me to especially by the end I agree as far as the performances go. Like, there's good work here. Fraser is mm-hmm. doing a lot within the confines of this massive bodysuit that he's wearing that's also enhanced by CG. Right. Um, Hong Chow is very good. I think Samantha Morton's also very good in her yeah. one scene that she has in this movie. I, I'm of two minds with Sadie Singh's character because I do think, on the one hand, a teenager would act like this to a degree, but the character's so, like forcefully angry every time she appears where it's like this is a lot and that's <laughs> that's what the movie felt like in general which is weird because it's such a contained feel you're all in this one place but like every time someone enters a room they're shouting their feelings and emotions at charlie or you know vice versa or what have you and it's just like sure this is a, this is a lot to deal with so it's not a very pleasant movie in any way yet i still admire it for like the performances going on here and some aspects of it like i think matthew libatique the cinematographer who's worked on all of Aronofsky's films. All I think he's doing yeah. I think he's doing what he can with the limited location, what have you. But yeah, I I did find a lot of like troublesome aspects to the film as a whole. Yeah, I, I thought the Sadie Singh's character, the daughter Ellie, I just didn't like her at all. Um and in large part because of how she's acting in the movie. Again, not because she's this rebellious teenager or what have you, but it feels like she has this she's a mean person <laughs> and she's just not very nice. And I know that the, the story tries to arc it in such a way that says like, you know, everybody can be nice. And I, I, we tried to weigh out both of our parenting styles so that she becomes, you know, a person that could be um, at peace at some degree at, at one point in her life. And that could be all well and good. But from what I saw on the, on the screen here, she's very manipulative and she's also very, um, like she, she treats Thomas, the, the missionary, missionary character, like in a very poor manner. And I was just thinking to myself, man, this is, not very nice, and I know that that the script kind of helps you sort of understand it, but I just didn't I didn't really dig her character at at the, all that much. Like she was definitely the weakest link. I mean, even Dan the Pizza Man was was better than she was. Well, let, let me ask you. I mean, you're saying you don't like the character. I agree with you as far as like I don't want to hang out with this kid. Sure. But but do you think the performance itself is not good, or do you think just the character is just so unpleasant? Uh, a little bit of both. I I think Sadie Sink is actually just fine in it, but I don't. I also 
think that she's also bringing too much of of um of like a I'm trying to meet my other actors at the same level and they are just like such good actors that it's like it's hard to be there with them if that makes sense so Brendan Fraser's bringing a lot but Samantha Morton like she has like a great monologue and she has a great scene but again Hong Chao is there too and it's really tough to like be all, all on the same level of, of all these folks so as an actor Sadie Sink is is bringing in a lot but it's also just not at the same level that everybody else is so that kind of doesn't really help it either um that's, I, that's I, I, I was able to separate her out from like her stranger things character right but it was one of those things where you know i did i did view her as like the weakest actor on the screen that's fair i was just curious yeah like even even in her interaction with uh, ty simpkins when they're having like that that di- that door dialogue really good stuff but ty simpkins is bringing a lot in that scene um and she's really kind of just there uh with all that being said though i did have a question for you on just well you brought it up with the stage directionness of it so Prior to watching this movie, I did not know that it was a, a stage production. You you were in the credits. It said that you know it's, it's Based been adapted on the play, yeah. exactly. Um, and so I I was curious around that because I I thought that it actually had some good stage direction in it. Um, but I, I'm guessing you, I guess that you feel differently. I don't think it's bad stage direction. It's just more of I can see it. I guess is the way to put it. Like okay. it, I can I can see the moves being made to. That like that that can equate it to me as far as I can tell that this feels like it belonged on the stage, given the way people are using sure. monologues, given the way they're you know at certain points of the room, and there are other points of the room. Like it just feels like there's a there's a way to interpret this for this for the the stage that I suspected as I was watching it, and then yes, by the credits, it's like, well, yeah, that makes sense. It's a stage play. Okay, uh, like yeah. so I get like and that, again, that's not that doesn't make it wrong. Like yeah. it's just more of. My head doesn't compute it that my head doesn't like to compute things certain ways when it comes to stage play. So it really needs to be something special for me to like appreciate it more. And it, you know, that and that comes at a cost when it comes to certain like doubt is a film that a lot of people really like. I have issues with doubt because it just feels too stagey to me. Where, yeah, where the it's like and it, so like because of that, like it's the, the performances feel more pronounced in a way where I can feel like they are acting at me. Uh, and that's not necessarily something that connects to me. I don't feel more because I, it feels like there's two different forms of media coming at me at the same time. And therefore I just can't like bridge that gap and be like, Oh, I feel for, you know, these characters. So you have, you know, this, what is a very strong Brendan Fraser performance, uh, but it's like, by the end of it, I know it wants me to feel a lot for what's taking place within that scene. And part of that has to probably do with Sadie sink as well. Although I think in the end scene, that's, She's doing a good job. She's doing she's doing better. But but the just the resulting stuff that happens, I'm just like, yeah, all right. I saw okay, I see the conclusion and I don't feel any particular way about it beyond okay, it's complete. Uh, which sure, is not yeah. the feeling I think Darren Aronofsky wants anyone to have, especially for a film that's, you know, this going this hard and being this intense. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying there. Um and in large part I was asking because you know, his previous movie, Mother, in 2017, mm-hmm. it's kind of stagey, too, because, again, it's all taking place in one place, um, and then characters come and go on off screen, much the same way that this one does with the, the use of uh, a kitchen window. Um, I, I, I'm i uh-huh. not trying to fight you, but I will say, yes, in terms of, in, in those parameters, sure, but that movie's also wildly stylish and full of special effects yes, to yeah, like, make know, it a very cinematic movie. <laughs> like, oh, no, totally, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's just more that, I guess... Um, I was curious around the camera movements around this movie just because of uh I, I guess I was familiar familiar with what Aronofsky can do 
on a quote unquote singular stage play. Um, but at the same time, I was thinking to myself, well, you know, it's it's not really anything incredible that he's doing here. But I guess I can kind of see that it's pretty nice the way that the camera moves, like the way that uh, you either shoot Brendan Fraser from the back and you can only see his head turning left and right. So it's a, it's a choice, basically, is what I'm saying. And I found that to be interesting. But again, is it a value? That's a different story. I don't, I don't actually yeah, have an answer for you. I mean, in terms of like, you know, Aronofsky knows how to make a movie. So it's yeah, like it's not like I'm faulting yeah. him for you know, challenging himself with something like this. It's sure. just more of, for me at least, it just doesn't it doesn't register on all the levels that I know he's going for with this. Yeah. Another question for you. Uh, yeah. Moby Dick comes up a lot in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the movie is called The Whale. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you find the the allegory, the, the symbolism, the metaphor uh, on the nose, or did you find it to be apt? I was going to use on the nose and then you said it. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> it, um, it, it doesn't, especially given the reason Moby Dick comes up, it's just like, okay, I, like, it's, right. it's it's another aspect that feels, I mean, on the nose is like the best way to say, it. I mean, yeah, it just comes at me. It's like, yeah, okay. Like, I, I, I think my largest problem with this movie is the fact that I'm just not connecting with it because everything is just, it's being shouted at me so clearly. And mm-hmm. Aronofsky knows how to do that. Like, it's not new to him to have, like, intense situations being presented to one. But I do right. think other movies that he's done have offered more either cinematically or just performances that just felt more, un- you know, just felt unique in their own way to me. Or just the premise felt more interesting to me. Where this one just, like, I'm trying to get at what I want from it. But it's just like, oh, everyone's just shouting at me all the time. Like. I get it. Come, somebody, calm down. <laughs> like, thank God, Hong Chow came back again. At least she's somewhat calm. right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she, she's like, she's, yeah. She, only when, only when the missionary comes around is she like angry. Every other time, she's like, ah. Oh, and she's got a reason to be too. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, which I, yeah. which is, which is why that's one of the better or best performances of the movie because it's right. It feels yeah. like there's more to this person. Hong here. Chow, by the way, having a great year. Yeah, with this and the menu. It's the and menu. The, yeah. And she has there, another movie, right? There's, an, there's another one that I'm not thinking of. Um, what is yeah. it? <laughs> but yeah, uh, good stuff. Yeah, she's having a great year. But um, well, let me ask you about the side character here. And uh, Aronofsky uh, has definitely had a lot of religious iconography in his movies and a lot of thoughts sure. on that. So what about what about the character of Thomas, who is this, uh, this church missionary that comes by? What did you think of? of him and also what he's bringing from the standpoint of of salvation i for one thing it's nice to see ty ty simpkins here like we've been watching it since like insidious and now he's, like, <laughs> now he's just grown he's up finally yeah he finally was <laughs> able to to get the demons out of his body like you know he was in iron man 3 and like jurassic world and now he's like oh i'm a young man now he shows <laughs> up in endgame too people are like who's that guy it's like yeah because he looked like kid. a weird young man it's like yeah, exactly <laughs> it's like who's this kid from a movie sequel nine years ago um <laughs> um, I, I mean, I thought he was because I, I, I would lay him similar to like Sadie Sink as far as the uh-huh. kids are fine in this movie. That's yeah, kind yeah. of where I'm at, and I, I, sure. I, I like him more when he's dealing directly with Fraser because I think Fraser's doing so much to kind of counter yeah. the points he's making, largely because he just seems like an adult making, like expressing like interesting thoughts about the things that Thomas is presenting to him. I, I also kept getting distracted by the fact that 
it's just weird that this kid keeps coming back to this apartment. So it's like, just do something else, guy. Like, I don't, <laughs> which again, that lends itself to the stage. Like, well, he's required to because it's this kind right. of movie. Yeah. Or, so it's just like, up. it was hard to like, I was hard, I was having a hard time like getting the reasoning down as far as him being here to begin with over and over again. Uh, as far as like characters go, he seems like he's the, you know, you have a daughter, his best friend, and an ex wife. Why is this guy here? <laughs> like, I just couldn't really. Sure. Wait, 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 you. How, how would you? Feel As the story that? goes on, I actually really appreciated his character a lot more. Not, not from the standpoint of like what he was trying to like do to Brendan Fraser's character, but just from his actual own personal plight, his own personal journey. And I was like, oh, this is actually a really well done, like really thoughtful um, uh, look into why he's, why he keeps showing up. Why, why is he always here? Why is he always like? trying to like get Brendan Fraser to like quote unquote come out of his shell kind of thing. And it's like, Oh, it's because he needs this in such a way that would allow him to validate his own life, you know? And I was like, Oh, that that's actually a pretty like deep cut. And I, I know that you guys kind of revealed it late and maybe it really doesn't have to do with a whole lot with like the entire allegory of like the whale. And he's not really a character in like a Moby Dick type thing, but I can see what you're doing here. Um, So I, I, I appreciated what they did with him later but at the same time i was also thinking to myself you know like this is very this is very small cast it's very small like it's kind of like a bottle film um and it is like good to have his his i guess presence there just because it kind of helps me get into the character of brendan frazier because like what aaron said it opens up in a very like strong way um and this movie uh if if not for like the interruption from ty simpkins you'd just be like what the fuck am i watching here um so it's kind of like funny on that level but i like that he was able to to sort of like explore his own uh his uh, his own life i guess uh through this character so we've talked about these other characters let's talk about brendan fraser i want to ask you sure. are you in general do you like brendan fraser and do you are do you do you appreciate what he's doing here as charlie in general i i do like brendan fraser i i think that uh he's a very charismatic guy but he's also like a goofy guy like you you sent me a gif of him slapping hands at the golden globes and you know that's that's gone around for quite a while um but you know i liked him in encino man i liked him in uh you know his early days and he's always just seemed like a guy that was like having a good time on movie sets and and obviously he's taking some time away for personal reasons and also because like uh, of what he has said publicly around um the pressure and also i guess uh, wasn't he like uh there are people assaulted? yes by zone at the gold yeah. part of the golden globes right so there's there's obviously some serious things that have been got on that have kept him away from being a screen presence but you know even even like his work in bedazzled I, I enjoyed because he's able to play like you know seven different people kind of thing but yes i enjoy brandon frazier so uh his role in this movie he's bringing a lot to this movie and i know that it's part of his the prosthetics and part of his like the the cg but at the same time, like he is like you could kind of feel like this is sort of it, it was almost like a metaphor for his own life, which is like I have been in hiding and here I am like I still want to have my voice be heard, even though nobody can see me. But I do want to be a part of this this uh, thespian world. So what do you think of Brendan? Uh, I do like him in general. I do think he has the kind of leading man quality that certainly made him an interesting star to watch when it came to like the mummy film specifically where it's like we right. don't have there's not a lot of you know it's not a lot of guys that can be this heroic adventure man and also be goofy at the same like that's not an easy yeah. thing to pull off yeah. um so like i appreciate that he was very good at doing that and he's one of the best um 
nothing's in front of you, but I'm going to fight it actors out there as far as like fighting fake stuff. That'll be filled in later when it comes to CGI uh -huh. and stuff. Like he's, he's <laughs> very good at that. Um, so <laughs> on that level, like that's always been nice. And I've seen, you know, he's, he's done little smaller films like, um, what is it? Gods and monsters of Ian McKellen, like right, little yeah. things that give him like some dramatic stuff to work with where I know he's certainly capable of doing this kind of thing. Right. Um, so seeing him in a role that, you know, puts him right at the front and in a very big way, no pun, like it's it, it's a lot to take in. And I ultimately appreciated it. Uh, I, I I'm not struggling to say, like, it's the best thing he's done, like, because I think he's very he's great in it. I yeah, I, it is a lot. to It's it's hard to separate, like, how much work, like the fact that we're just looking at this guy versus what he's doing as an actor that 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 kept occurring to me and, i hear what you're saying and yeah. it's like if i'm thinking about that so much then how effective is the actual performance i do think it's effective but it was hard to turn off the fact that's like oh he's 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 really in this thing like for the duration and we just can't like there's and it and it kept bringing to mind like this uh, you know the whole other argument as far as you know, whether or not this is supposed to be a thing to begin with as far as actors and having to do this kind of modification uh, for mm -hmm. the more like that. And that's a different conversation uh, that we yeah. might have time to get to, but like, as far as his <laughs> goes, um, like, yeah, like he's doing the work. I do think the interactions he has with Morton and not Chow in particular, are those are the most affecting parts of the film. I really like the Morton scene just cause it's like a one-off scene. Um, yeah. And that gives, it gives us a lot to deal with as far as who these characters are and who Charlie is and whatnot. It does. It gives you a different yeah. dynamic to look at. You're right that, it I during this movie I was trying to separate the writing from what I was seeing to the visual right because mm -hmm. I was trying to figure out you know is he giving a whole complete performance here and obviously people have won for less you know we we keep making fun of Rami Malek for winning for for Gee. um Bohemian Rhapsody mm -hmm. but um it is one of those things where I there are flashes of what is written that I was like he's delivering this very well I think in particular when he's talking to Thomas about um about uh, having read the Bible and having, you know, studied. Yeah, that's uh, one of the more interesting conversations. Yeah, it's like, it's clear that this person is a very smart and astute person. Mm -hmm. um, they just, it, there's just not a whole lot of that, you know, going on throughout the movie because it's a little bit more of, well, here's a, here's a, a discussion now with Hong Chao about, you know, medical insurance or what have you, or, or the same Mantha Morton thing about that, or rewriting Sadie Sink's essays or what have you. So there's not a whole lot of like, well, who is this guy? Like for real, for real. Like let me let me level with him for some degree. But when I do see flashes of it, it's it's good. And even even some parts where he's just trying to open a door with a, a behind a locked door with a key or something like that. You know, there's there's some emotional stuff that he's doing with his with his face. Uh, but yeah, there is. I agree with you that there's like maybe like mm -hmm. so, je ne sais quoi that is like missing that I would be like he's it's not a lock for best actor. You know what I mean? There is a physical thing that's where it's not just like what he looks like but there's like a physical yeah. performance taking place here as far as his expressions and stuff that i do think is effective yeah. um <laughs> it's it it's such a like he's so big like the like it's called the whale and he's yeah. you know it's not just like that he's obese he's morbidly obese like it's really going for it so it does like right. present this a unique situation to say the least uh and it just 
you know, you mentioned Bedazzled, and I'm not going to say he's better than Bedazzled, but he's like, he's playing like seven different people there and exactly. doing it effectively. Yeah. Like, so it's like, it's not beyond me to think, well, he's certainly capable of doing this, you know, a, a range of performances or what have you. Hey and so, you're no slouch either. You mentioned The Mummy. He's playing a lot of things in that movie, too. He like is doing, mentioned. I mean, it's not, to make a leading man like that not boring, right. look at all the various, you know, the... Taylor it's, Kitches it's hard and Sam Worthington and what to, have you, where they've exactly you know, yeah. It's, it's like actually some hard to play like a smart dumb guy, and mm-hmm. he he's able to do that. So, but you you get like these great monologue sequences, such as one towards mm-hmm. the end with him and Hong Chao again, or yeah, yeah like him exchanging things with uh, with Chris. And also, the movie does have like some humor. Like it has it has a way of allowing some levity to break out there. So it's like there's enough here. I guess it's just me thinking. I, like you know since the praise from the start's been brendan fraser's gonna win best actor i'm looking at this movie and it's not like i'm out to cross my arms and say i don't know about that like mm-hmm. I'll, i if he gets the nomination great if he wins cool but at the same time like i've seen a lot of good performances this year like this isn't necessarily the standout yeah. one for me like i think colin farrell like that that, that, that would be a great Banshees. win for me to watch for Banshee, for even yeah. for after either one i mean he's great in both movies but but I, so it's like i i like what fraser's doing here for the most part but it's like that blow me away in the way that the certainly the marketing certainly wants to make you believe i can hear i can i definitely can hear you and understand that for sure because um i'm kind of in the same boat like i I think he's doing a really good job here and you and i both said that he's pulling a lot of the 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 quote-unquote weight you know no pun intended Mm -hmm. but there certainly is just an aspect of yeah you know I've, i've seen some pretty good acting performances like he's up there this year but I, I think that from what I had been led to believe from the film festivals, he was definitely like going to win, going to win. I was like, um, he's really good, but I don't know if he was if he's going to win, going to win. So, yeah, with, uh, I'd be curious. With only so much time left, I want to talk about him, his presence in this, and the choice made. Like, so the I don't know if you've seen anything from the stage play, but I saw like just an image, and it's distracting um, to see like basically an actor put inside of like a very large contraption it's like warhorse except instead of having a horse you have a giant big man body uh-huh. suit so watching this movie it's like well it's a movie so it like i guess inherently could work i like do you does this work as like just a gimmick or does it and and beyond that do you does it matter to you that you have someone that's not actually this size portraying this guy like is that is that weighing on Jesus Christ? Is that it's I'm not trying to do this. Is that is that affecting like what you're taking away from from this? You're asking about the physical aspect of this movie. Yes. Like I don't think that it really the the physical aspect of it doesn't really come into play because there's so much dialogue in this movie. Mm-hmm. And it only really comes into play like maybe a few times where um where it really makes me where like the, the front and well, I mean the the aspect of like the appropriateness of having someone that's not this size playing this character yeah we talked about this a lot with like appropriation of like uh of cultures and characters and what have you i i largely like i don't know if i have a super opinion on this and i know that some actors like like um uh christian bale has been known to like put on weight for things like vice and things like that right where he he actually did put on the 50 extra pounds mm-hmm. um but for this would be like where you have to be like morbidly obese like it'd be pretty tough to to have that i mean it'd be a in any yeah. case, it'd probably be like a documentary, right? More than anything. Well, I guess the question becomes because I agree with you. It's more of like I can emphasize with the ah, the, the, the clock. I'm not going to stop. Um, <laughs> but we'll keep. I was like, what forward. is that noise? That, it's the cowboy bebop theme. Oh. Um, 
<laughs> like I can empathize with a community that's, you know, trying to make something clear. Like I can understand that point of view at the same time. It's like, it's not just that it's a large act. It's like, it's not supernaturally, but it's like, it's larger than it's you're not going to find someone that's 600 pounds. It's also a Shakespearean actor necessarily. Like I'm sure right. that exists. I'm not saying that's impossible, but sure, it's like, yeah. it's such a very stylized choice for the story being told. It's hard for me to think like Darren Ariskanowski need to like search the earth to find the one person that can play this as opposed to getting an actor that would knowingly have to be, you know, applied with prosthetics and what have you to make this. Yeah. This aspect of the film fully realized. Right. It'd be, it'd be very difficult to do that. And I just don't know if you'd actually, uh, like, I wonder what that would be like where you'd be like, no, we really wanted to find like somebody who was like very, very uh, overweight to, to play this role. It's like, yeah, but that feels like it's irresponsible too, to some degree. Right. This is almost like, uh, it reminds me of when, um, uh, Slumdog Millionaire came out. Mm-hmm. Slumdog Millionaire came out, and then all of a sudden, people were like, "Well, what happened to like these little actresses that were playing them when they were like five and six? Like, no, we just we decided to like let, let them be poor, and and we didn't take care of them. Like, it is what it is. And there's like this feels like a misuse of you know, uh, some sort of like inappropriate action here. Um, so I don't know. It's tough. Like that's an interesting question you bring up there, mostly just because I'm I don't I don't think that even Hollywood would be like, let's actually find like a 600 pound actor. Here's the, here's the last question I have. And then we could wrap wrap it up because it comes into the relation of this. Do you think the film is punching down at all on the fact that he is this way? No, I would agree. Yeah. The reason why I say this, because like what I said earlier, there's actually some semblance of the movie actually just forgets that this is about weight. Um, It's kind of just more about this guy's, solitude and like his the emotional um, state he put himself yeah, in to get exactly. this way to begin with yeah like this at no point is it one of those things where it's like oh man like aren't you gross and fat it's like no like nobody brings that up until he asks them to he like, brings he's, yeah, he's the one that yeah, exactly. centers on it yeah yeah ty, Sim- ty simpkins has like this really interesting thing that he does with him um but again there's never really a point where we're just like like you know like we're never at a like, it, it it would be one thing to have like uh, to have Aronofsky showing like flies buzzing and what have you. He's like, no, he lives in a really clean house and he, t- he bathes, you know what I mean? Like there's nothing like, it's not like he's, he's wallowing in like his own filth kind of thing. No, he's actually just like this guy who just has had some emotional beats in his life that have brought him down so hard that he just like gave up. And that's really, that's the reason why he is this way that he is. And he's just surrounded by these people that are not even like abusing him in any way. Like it's just uh, it, it's just this movie about uh, coming to grips with the end of your life. Well, <clears throat> we had a lot of thoughts on the whale. When should people go and see this movie? It's currently playing in limited release. You know, or, no, it's actually kind of wide. Whatever, it's yeah, in theaters. I think it's kind of wide. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's all theaters. Yeah, you know, the performances are are pretty good. I enjoy the performances. So I'd, I'd probably say dollar theater for this. You know, like. I agree with you. I'd still say like wait till streaming. Like it's okay. just it's yeah. such an unpleasant movie. <laughs> like that's the thing. I, like, I hear you. Yeah. It's hard to be like go to the theater, have a good time, get some popcorn, watch the whale. Uh, <laughs> I, I think there's enough to admire in it that I certainly I recommend the movie. Right. I just, but I, even though I still think it's Aronofsky's weakest effort, but I yeah, yeah I do think it's not one where you have to race out even to the doll with you necessarily to see. Okay. Now you're making me question what I would give it, but yeah, all right, I'll, I'll stick with it. I'll stick with it. <laughs> All uh, right. You want some feedback for this? Well, yeah, we got some out and out feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. 
Thank you. Where we uh, put up a couple questions regarding the whale a couple of weeks ago. We want to make sure we get those answers out here. This is, of course, from our Facebook page, a podcast. We're asking a number of questions to the listeners. And they give us some answers. So here we go. Uh, what are your favorite cinematic physical transformations of performers? Scott writes Robert De Niro in Raging Bull. Epon writes The Machinist, hmm. which is a similar things going on as far as why the person is the way they are. Uh-huh. Um, Justin writes Norton, Edward Norton in American History X, and Chris Evans in Captain America. All that, all that, uh, those inches all... he shed for that movie. <laughs> all uh, that super serum he took. <laughs> Philip writes, I appreciate how Robert Downey Jr. got in great shape to play Iron Man, especially given his past issues. Hmm. Interesting pull. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he did, you know, he got those, he got those muscles, uh, for that, for that movie. And That's then true. He, they CG'd his thing for the rest of it. So it never worked again. Um, Catherine writes, <laughs> uh, Charlie Theron for her portrayal of Aileen Wuornos in Monster. She was unrecognizable as herself and was amazing in the role. She wins an Academy Award for that too. She does. Um, I would say, uh, Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder. <laughs> he's playing three different people man <laughs> he's a dude playing a dude playing another dude disguised as another dude yeah. <laughs> who is he really patty o'malley i, I watched i watched um tropic thunder not too long because the 4k came out from kino and yeah by the way it's on kino yeah by the way that movie wow. as well as being very funny it's a really well shot film like it's a really gorgeous movie given like the hawaiian backdrops they use for the jungle locations yeah. and whatnot it's a good looking movie but my favorite bit always in that movie and there's a lot of funny stuff in it but it's when they're like sitting around a campfire and jay baruchel is talking about like getting the map and Downey has this line where he's like enough with the map and stuff and he like <laughs> and he like he breaks like he smiles and it's such a weird moment because it's like <laughs> Is Downey breaking in this scene, or is like he breaking his own character? But because he smiled, and then he goes right back to straight face again, and it's in, and it's in <laughs> the movie. So it's such a weird like meta moment almost. It's like he's going so far into it, but it cracks me up every time. That's so funny because like Downey is like he's a real actor's actor, you know what I mean? So it's like, why would he break? But. <laughs> It's funny to see like when when those things do come up. It just feels like they like caught it and it was so genuine that like Stiller left it into the movie. <laughs> it's so, I can it's see so, I can see Stiller doing that. It's so absurd of what's taking place. <laughs> anyway, um, anyway, uh, I mean, I, there's something about the Christian Bale thing where he went from machinist, uh, like off of whatever he was doing. And then after that, he's like, "Oh, I'm Batman now," eh? and he, yeah. he like bulks up like too big. Remember this story? Like he bulks up way big for, for Batman Begins. For Batman Begins, and Nolan, yeah, and, he's like, pretty they large. See, and well, he bulks up even more than he is in that movie. Yeah, and, and Nolan's like, "No, that's too much." And he's like, "Okay," and so he like <laughs> loses weight and like, has to go back down again. Yeah, so it's, it's pretty like, crazy. Like yeah. you, you can find his weights on his movies. It's very you know well documented. And just Christian Bale, you know, like even for Ford versus Ferrari, you know how much he weighed on that? One fifty five. Yeah, he's because he's a tall guy too. So yeah, like, he's, he's, he's like six two. Yeah, <laughs> he's six two, and he's he's like one fifty five. And then for Vice, he's like he balloons up to like you know two fifty something. It's a lot. It's a lot to put on. So, and the machine, it's like you know he goes down to like ninety something pounds or like a hundred. Yeah, it's 90. something crazy. Yeah, yeah it's so something it's... crazy. And like even like Rescue Dawn, he does it too, where it's just yeah. like he's just he's, really he's my favorite performance of his. Yeah. yeah, which is yeah, it's it's his best performance. You know, it's fantastic. So it's like that, and but like Raging Bull is one of the best active performances it ever. Is. So it's like it's yeah. hard to not not say that either. Yeah, I mean it's pretty good there. So I mean, I, I, did that movie win best 
he got best actor. Okay, I was like best picture, but and, no, because no, uh, that's the that's when um, uh, Chariots of Fire movie we watch yearly. Um, that one best picture. I mean, the music is very iconic, but. <laughs> Uh, well, the next question here is, what are some great films featuring re rebellious teenagers? Jeff has Youth and Revolt. Philip has A Bright Summer Day. Justin writes Outsiders. Todd writes The Breakfast Club. And Catherine writes Ferris Bueller's Day Off. What about you, rebellious teenagers? Is Youth and Revolt the one with Michael Sarah? Yeah, where he's playing like two okay. characters. That was a good yeah, poll. Yeah, with a mustache? Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah, it's like his alter ego or whatever. Yeah. Uh, rebellious teen movies. Um, yeah, those are good ones. Um, yeah. Peter Parker, rebellious teen? Is he rebelling? I think in the comics he is because he's kind of... Well, Peter Parker himself is not, right? But well, Spider-Man is. But yeah, Spider-Man. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, Peter Parker is like pretty straight laced and pretty straight edge, but then all of a sudden he turns into Spider-Man he's just like a dick. <laughs> so, rebellious teenagers, I would say... Um, Footloose. Footloose, yeah. They're dancing with... He's they're dancing, dancing and it's illegal. And his dad is John Lithgow telling him to knock it off. No, 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 like the 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 town preacher, he's new in town. The, the, oh, his, the, the yeah. girlfriend, the you know the woman he's interested in, she's she her her, her father's John Lithgow. He's, oh, sorry, he's yeah. going against it. Um, what's the movie with Max played by um, Rushmore? Yeah, you know, there's like Rushmore. A part where, there you go. Yeah, I mean, like him, but also like his little his little youth right hand man kid, where he like spits on the car. Yeah, Bill Murray's car. <laughs> yeah, that's a funny scene. <laughs> so, it's, uh, it's a good rebellious teenager. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right, that's good. Um, and you know, like Clockwork Orange, they're supposed to be teenagers. Are that's, they teenagers? They're supposed to be. Yeah, okay, to be they teenagers. look like they're definitely like in their mid twenties. So that yeah, that, there you go. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. All right. What's the future? They all look like that. Oh. Also, that's, that movie's from like 70. So it's like kids used to look older at that time anyway. <laughs> is, that, is that the excuse? <laughs> no, but I'm saying you're saying they look like it's like, well, I mean, because Malcolm McDowell, he wasn't very old in that movie. Like he's it's oh, he's he's just got like old man face. Like, well, I'm, he, oh, I'm saying kids used to I'm saying kids used to look older when they in in those days. Right. Like that's, yeah, you know, <laughs> you'd be surprised how old some of these people are in these Hollywood movies. Like, oh, he was in his 20s. Not Humphrey yeah. Brogar, he always looked old. But I mean, everybody else. And uh, yeah, who's the guy that I mistake uh, Malcolm McDowell for all the time? Who was in, who was in um, uh, the movie where you know it's the yeah? What who's in Last Night in Soho? Terrence Stamp. I can Terrence Stamp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always mistake those guys. I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah there's a similarity there in their looks. Okay. All right. Well, well that, that was that feedback. <laughs> excuse me feedback 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 all right let's move on let's get to our next review for white noise okay roll film you like that, a protein? that stuff causes cancer in laboratory animals in case you didn't know either i chew gum or i smoke what are these children yours that's mine from wives one and three there's babettes from husband two wilder is ours we're each other's fourth. Life is good, Jack. I hope it lasts forever. Let's watch a sitcom or something. No! Okay, that should have been some of the trailer for White Noise. Director Noah Baumbach has had a pretty steady Netflix output over the past few years, with the Meyerowitz stories and Marriage Story both allowing him plenty of creative freedom and affording him plenty of critical praise. Now he's returned with what appears to be his blank check film, an adaptation of Don DeLillo's 
1985 novel White Noise, which has been generally deemed as a tough one to crack. Adam In it, Adam Driver plays Jack Gladney, an intellectual and professor of Hitler studies at the College on the Hill. He's Come married on. To, he's married to Greta Gerwig's Babette, his fourth wife, and they are raising a blended family of four children together. The story follows what happens after an air contamination accident occurs, bringing in apocalyptic thoughts all around. That's a short summation of the film, but Abe, did you grasp what no, was I going hear, on here? No, I want to hear what you have to say first. You want to hear what I have to say first? Yeah, because I went first on the other one. Okay, fine. Uh, well, my question was going to be, did you grasp what was going on here? Uh, so in answer to that question, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, like, so I watched this. I've seen this movie twice now. The first time I was tired because uh, I was cramming in a lot of movies uh, towards the end of the year. Yeah. And watching it the second time, I certainly I appreciated it more. Um, I'm still somewhat on the fence, but at the same time, it's like. Noah Baumbach used to somewhat rub me the wrong way because of how acerbic his films could be. Mm -hmm. uh, but then more recently, like after once he like started teaming up with Greta Gerwig, his films became more like, I don't know, fun like, and just like nicer. He found the spark in his life. <laughs> like, it, yeah. And it just like that worked with me more because I really like yeah. like Mistress America and Francis Ha, let alone things like, you know, like Marriage Story, which is more, you know, more dramatic. Like, there's just stuff to like there. This movie is very much like in, like, gonzo nutso territory as far as the tone and what it's trying to accomplish. But the story in it, it's like, it's not really all over the place, but at the same time, it kind of is. And that's a weird thing mm -hmm. to say, because, like, the through line of this movie is fairly simple when I watch it the second time, where it's like, a thing happens and they need to react. And there's yeah. also this other thing happening on the side. Like, it's a pretty basic through, but it's like, well, why is this two hours and 15 minutes? So coming into it or coming out of it, I'm like, well, I like a lot of this. I get the story being told, but I'm not sure if I'm missing more based on, like, the social commentary taking place and what it's trying to say about, like, the 80s and now, sure. and I guess, consumerism and, you know, how we treat the planet to some degree uh and you know the thoughts on you know life and death like it seems like there's so much here and yet i'm locking more onto just what's making me smile which is a lot of what adam driver's doing in this thing speaking of actors that are putting on weight for roles and <laughs> yeah the various hairstyles going on all over the place and these weird kids so it's like <laughs> i guess i grasped onto it i just feel like i'm if I was on the right, I was more on the right wavelength of this film, but it still seems like it's purposely challenging. How about yeah. you? What do you think of this? I watched this movie and I was thinking to myself, I don't know what's happening here, but I fucking love this movie. <laughs> and, and what I mean from that is exact. I was going to use the word that you used, which is like, I don't know. Like it, it, I, I, I essentially, <clears throat> I finished the movie and I thought to myself, I, it has to be rewatched. Like not because it was incredible and it blew me away, more just because I was thinking to myself, there's probably a whole lot that I missed on the subtext uh -huh. or in something else. Like I definitely picked up on like the eighties lifestyle and like the consumerism of the eighties and what have you. Like it's it's in your face because of all the the brands that you see here all the time and how they they talk about um they talk about very serious things at the at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. Um but uh with all that being said though, there is an element of just Noah Baumbach being really weird yeah. and him just being like, I want to make this story about like this family that just has to go through some stuff. And like, he is a director has that has been known to do that. Right. You know, we've seen things like 
Uh, I was going to say the whale, but um, the squid and uh, the the squid and the whale the sequel. Yeah. Oh no. But yeah, but the squid and the whale, which is you know probably one of his like people would probably say like that's like his his classic. You know what I mean? Um, and then you've seen things in with uh, uh, him and, and Mary's story like last was it last year or two years ago? It's two but years. It was twenty twenty. So. 2020 yeah pretty recently but again there are all these stories about these domestic situations that go either awry or they go you know a little bit weird and then the family kind of falls apart and i agree with you that greta gerwig has kind of just like really helped him make less of those like sad sack stories that are very true about like children of divorce and adult children of divorce and maybe a little bit more into realms of just like whimsy and and uh fantastical elements and this movie is is a weird movie. Like I, I I can grant you that from the gate, and you know I think that there's just an element of uh, I like these people, and that's why I want to go and finish this movie, and I want to watch it again, is because I like Adam Driver and I like the character that he's playing, but I also like Greta Gerwig and the character that she's playing, and I love their kids because their kids are super weird, and one of <laughs> one of those roles is definitely written for like um, for a no bomb bike favorite. But he's too old now, Jesse Eisenberg. But, um, <laughs> yes, yeah, I can totally see that. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Heinrich. Heinrich, Maybe. yeah, yeah. And like, there's just a lot of like weird. Like Aaron mentioned this in the description of this movie. Jack is a professor of like youth Nazi culture, and he's like, he's very proud of this in this movie. And he, he's the he most has, prominent director or professor of Nazism exactly at College on the Hill, right? But so, he's also embarrassed because he doesn't speak German. <laughs> Which is these are amazing, like weird, like facts and and like hilarious, like tidbits about this movie. But in the end of things, it's also you know if you were to watch this with the lens of yes, the eighties were a weird time just in terms of consumerism, but also just in terms of where we're with the Cold War and kind of what that was all leading to. Yeah, I could see that there is an element of just we're not really sure what this is that we're dealing with. It could be like you know a, a chemical attack. But at the same time, like it's also just we're, you know, everybody do whatever you're gonna do, right? Because uh, there's mixed messages um, throughout their their time to leave their home. So I I don't know. Like ultimately, I do want to watch it again. But I I did enjoy just what I was watching, not from the standpoint of this is a hoot, like this is a popcorn, you know, barn burner kind of thing. This is just more of it's weird, and I like when yeah. people do weird things. Uh huh. You're making me like this more, like because <laughs> I haven't, I haven't, you know, I haven't talked to anyone about it. I haven't talked to you, so it's like I don't know what yeah. this is. Like this is such a weird yeah. thing, yet it's it is compelling in its own way. Here's a question. Sure. Um, there are there are very funny sequences in this movie. Uh, there's a whole like car sequence that's really they're in like their station wagon and they're trying yeah. to like not escape, but just kind of like get away. <laughs> you can get to another part of, and it's just there's a free series. Regardless. There's a couple sequences early on where we're watching Jack, Professor Jack Gladney do his professor thing in school in the schools in the lecture halls, and you have Don Cheadle's character who's he he admires Jack, but he's a professor of Elvis studies. Yes, yes, <laughs> <laughs> which occur, which comes up very frequently because he brings it up often. Yeah. Um, but there's a point where they're dueling, professoring at the same time. That's one of the best scenes of the movie. It is. And I have to, so my question is, are we supposed to, did you take away that they were rivals and even maybe somewhat antagonistic towards each other? Or did you regard them as like friends the entire time? I regard them as friends the entire time, but what they were talking about was very fascinating. They were talking about like 
what is what does it mean to be you know quote unquote a mama's boy to some degree but also like what what was the rise in like how could they have commanded all these things like they were in love with not the idea of what they were going to become they were in love with just the idea of being in love like with an audience like this is fucking incredible like who wrote this Mm -hmm. um but then uh, it's just so crazy to think that like oh they're parallel tracks within these two people that would be on a spectrum be like completely opposite you know one of them was like this zealous zealous dictator that wanted to like take over the world with like aryan blood and then it was like this guy who just wanted to like please audience and masses with music mm-hmm. and you're thinking to yourself like how could this be that they're the same and yet you're all and again these facts have to be like fact-checked because i don't know everything anything about hitler or i don't know anything well, I mean, about they're, they're both the they're both the preeminent professors of these things i'm sure they're right all the i'm time. sure that they're yeah i'm sure <laughs> that they're correct but yeah I, I found that to be very fascinating just in terms of how they were saying this and what they were saying and then adam driver just like disappears off uh, disappears off screen and he reappears on screen yes. with like like sitting in the top layer of like this mm-hmm. this auditorium thing and he's just like rising up like this is what is this? That I'm I like that when he's being a professor. By the way, he always wears his robe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, and he wears sunglasses, dark sunglasses, because he's a he, he might be afraid that people will realize he doesn't speak German. So. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what is? Yeah. But I found that to be fascinating because it, it it plays up again in the rest of this movie here, and even at the end there, where um where uh it, things may become a little bit more serious, but there's a song that's playing in a hotel room with Adam driver and it's an Elvis song. And you're just like, mm-hmm. it's very thoughtful about what they were doing here. So I, I am like, I do want to watch it again just to pick up on, on key facts um, and maybe like explain it a little bit more, but also at the same time, like I kind of get it. Like it, it is just this movie about, I don't know. I mean, maybe about like women, like uh, not being afraid, but having uh, a partner to go through life with you. And so therefore you are less afraid of, of almost all things kind of thing. It's like, I guess I can see that too. You know, yeah. So, and that could yeah. be like a Greta Gerwig and um, and uh, Noah Baumbach type thing where it's like, I, I found my partner in life and now I, w- I was less afraid of what I was doing before. Well, two things. One, we talked about the Barbie trailer last week. Apparently, yes. because they're both, um, you know, they're partners and they're involved in both things. Apparently, they wrote that Barbie script at the same time they were working on White Noise and both movies are so and they're and they're saying both movies are said to be very much in the same vein of each other. So that wow makes the Barbie thing sound that much more interesting as far as whatever that's going to be. Um, I am all for it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, with this, yeah, what you're just saying there about, um, you know, finding the one in life or what have you to, you know, help you go on. That does make the kind of the side plot here, or I don't know what to call it, but like the plot involving Greta Gerwig's character and this kind mm-hmm. of mystery surrounding what she's up to, that makes it all the more intriguing, right? As far as sure. what Adam Driver's worried about, what his anxiety is uh, in the midst of all, you know, everything related to a possible apocalyptic scenario going on. He also right. has this like linger, you know, this this lingering notion that there, that, you know, his wife is up to something else. And it, yeah. It, so I guess the question now is like, dude, what do you think of Greta Gerwig's performance in this movie? Is the is the hair doing most of the work, or do you think he was pretty good? <laughs> Greta Gerwig has always been one of my favorites ever since I saw her in Francis Ha, and I was like, you know, she's bringing everybody's mood down, but at the same time, she's the catalyst of this movie because um, you know she's the one that doesn't want to get serious about her life, but uh, and yet you know she's the the free spirit one. Uh, but I, I think Greta Gerwig's character in this movie is a very specific '80s mom character. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. one of them that is. I'm going to go do side things. And my husband is like the breadwinner, but I'm going to go do side things. But also at the same time, like I want to be somebody too. 
you know, there's like this very, there's a strong emergence of like women in the nineties of just like being dual, dual income breadwinners or, or dual income households. Right. The eighties was probably like, you know, coming out of the seventies and you're just like, okay, well, you know, the eighties, like the women are at home. They kind of like take care of the house. Like, but no, she wanted to like be a part of something and she wanted to do something with her life and she wanted to be, have some quote unquote agency over it. And she should. Right. Um, and in doing so, she gets herself involved in like the the second layer plot of this, which I was going to ask you about, which is uh, just what did you who did you think this person was uh, that she's meeting? And, and what was your feelings on, on that whole entire situation? I I wasn't sure where it was just because I don't I just don't know what this story is. So it's like yeah. I didn't know where it was necessarily going. I thought it, I figured it would feed into like the greater going on as far as if there's a possible conspiracy or something or, or if it would just turn into some kind of like, ah, actually it was all just really something really simple. You just overthought it, which yeah. it, it's kind of like a mix of both in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I, I, you know, because the movie, it's very much Adam driver's movie. So I was wondering, well, it's like, well, Greg Gerwig's here. Is she going to do more? And so I figured something has to happen. And yeah, basically hmm. there's more stuff for her to do towards the end that I right. do think makes it worthwhile and yes, yeah, solves certain questions one's supposed to have about like the plot taking place. So sure. like I yeah, I I appreciated what it did with with what it with what it was trying to kind of throw at you. Um and it can give you a better semblance of what this pairing is. Yeah. Um I had a question for you just around um some of the additional genres that they're kind of playing with here. Mm-hmm. One of them being maybe even a sci-fi horror movie. And what'd you think of Bumbach and, and uh, his direction with that? Uh, effective. There is a sequence early on where Adam Driver is either hallucinating or not. Um, and just feels like there's something ominous taking place in, in his own room. That yeah. was very, like very tense. Um, I, I don't know if it necessarily works in the context of a film that's, so high spirited in different ways so it's like well this is bizarre uh-huh. um but it does make me curious if bombog ever wants to like do something more in that realm if <laughs> he, he certainly knows how to, I, to pull, pull it off yeah i thought the same thing i was thinking to myself no bombog should make a horror movie because this is really good yeah <laughs> there was a, a scene where um in that same scene there's a part where somebody has to go into a dark corner to go to the restroom i was gonna say i don't know what's happening here but before the light turned on i was like this is so good like what's happening here is so good about you know, the tension, but also just I don't know what I'm watching, and and here we are just uh, going on. It's like I was thinking to myself, what movie is this? Um, there's another sequence which I want to ask you about, which is when Adam Driver is buying gasoline. Yeah, um, and I thought about a movie that we watched this past summer, um, made by a comedian turned actor, and I wanted to get your thoughts on that scene. What movie are you thinking? <laughs> nope, nope. Oh, of course. Okay. Um, let's <laughs> describe like. <laughs> Again, it's it's the way it's like staged where because this one feels more like in tune with the tone of what's taking place, like because mm-hmm. you're kind of being pushed into this, like the whole family feels they're being threatened and like he's like, I got to, you know, I have to do what I can for my family. And yet it's still kind of goofy. Yeah. Um, so like I appreciated the kind of the build to a certain point. Uh, I'm trying like not to spoil it, but the same sure. <laughs> like it's like I appreciate like how it how Adam Driver kind of conducts himself within the sequel. Like I, I okay, I think the for a film that has to kind of waver around in different tones and whatnot, I think this is one of the best examples of how it's able to successfully do that. Where 
it's it, there's humor going on, but it also it, there is a level of tension and surprise that I just don't know what's going to happen uh, necessarily. So like, yeah, I think it works because of it, it seems like this middle section of the movie. I do think like Noah Baumbach's like in the zone as far as like what, he, what he's trying to accomplish with this thing. Yeah, I thought that was a really good scene, but also I agree with you that there's a, an element of, oh, I think that you're making a sci-fi movie here. And if you are, this is incredible stuff that I'm watching. Like, mm-hmm. just good job on them driving, being trafficked, uh, being in traffic, not being trafficked, being in traffic, seeing like a weird cloud thing going mm-hmm. on and like the military going through. Like, this this feels like a large-scale Bombach that I haven't really seen before because Bombach is very... Um, Let's make smaller films. Like, yeah, this is a hundred million dollar movie. <laughs> this is a hundred million dollars. Yes. Yeah. Wow, good job. I mean, which is, much, I mean, how much is that going to Andre three thousand? When you when you look at the, I mean, that's part of it that that you have a lot of people, you have a lot of cast yeah. members. But I mean, when you look at it, it's by default like his most stylish movie because it's it so is. big and has so much going on. So right. it's, but it, it it does look great and unique to itself so it's like it does yeah and and you know good on them for for getting a lot of things correct um you know with the labels and and everything in the supermarket so here comes like the don Cheadle stuff again which uh i was i I would be curious to your take you've seen a couple times i do want to watch it a second time as well but don Cheadle, after like this this uh initial cloud uh smoke thing plume what have you uh, Mm -hmm. dissipates they're talking in a grocery store and Don Cheadle's like, well, maybe like just what happens is you just go through the doors of the supermarket and, and then that's like the next life or what have you. I'm, I'm very much summarizing um, in a very poor way, but I'm curious your thoughts on just there's a turning point in this movie and it goes into maybe like a different plot altogether. And I was curious what you how you felt as, a, as an audience member. That's where I'm still like. You know, see, even seeing it tw- twice now, first, second time, second time, more conscious. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still thinking like I de- I need to digest this again okay. just to like get a better read on like what part of what part of of the theme are we like addressing here? And but I because I you know every time they visit the super, there's like both there's like what like three distinct times it feels like maybe more where they where they're at the supermarket and yeah there's. <laughs> there's interesting conversation taking place. Don Cheadle's certainly like throwing out, he's, he's certainly philosophizing out loud. Um, right. <laughs> like w- what the state of mind's supposed to be following the things that have occurred. And I, I like, I, I was so trying to like be in the zone with, with what's taking place. I can't say I have like an exact answer to like what he's, yeah, no worries. What's going on. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I do, but I like, I just, I felt like, how do you say it? I just I felt comfortable with the scene like you know what sure. I mean as far yeah. as like I just I was enjoying being within this moment even if I wasn't grasping all the elements that I felt like it's trying to throw at me yeah and I think that comes from like Noah Bumbach and I'd probably say that you know Greta Gorg probably like ghost authored co- co-authored some of the the script as well oh I'm sure um, just because there's an earlier part where people were talking over each other I was like this is very Greta Gerwig to be able to be to write dialogue and have people, uh, you know, just speak up for each other, which is it's done in Lady Bird. It's also done in Little Women a lot. Uh, but it's like Greta Gerwig definitely is a master at, you know, having competing voices in the same scene, just talking about nothing. Um, and it's it's well done. But yeah, I, I agree with you that there's just a, a familiarity with these people, which I've never who I've never met before. But I'm just OK going through and following them, probably because, again, I, I enjoyed their presence like. Adam Driver kind of playing it pretty quiet and pretty low uh, mm-hmm. as, as a role. Um, it's kind of like a dad in this, but yeah, he's just 
yeah, I, I, I like Don Cheadle as well. So I was just curious to see what they're talking about, I guess. Anyhow. Did you, by the, towards the end of this, we already sure. kind of talked about this kind of uh, understanding of what's going on between Babette and and Jack and whatever they're up to. Yeah. It, it gets to this kind of, I guess, climactic point as far as thing, things are happening. <laughs> Again, yeah. um, did you, did you, you know, because the movie's given where we start with this thing where it's like they have to outrun a, you know, a cloud of death possibly and what have you. And then it becomes <laughs> even you say that is like, what? <laughs> yeah. And then by contrast, the ending is way more intimate. Did yeah. you appreciate like worth that, what that climax is? I did um, in large part because of um, the stakes that are at play. You and I talked about Babylon with Terrence last week, and we were talking about how sometimes it doesn't feel like there's real stakes, or at least I was talking about how sometimes it didn't feel like there were stakes to these characters that had been falling for three hours. And this is a shorter movie, but at the same time, I felt more inclined to be like, I'm worried for this person in this situation. Um, And so like, even when that was happening, I was thinking to myself, this is weird. Uh, but it's less weird than like, you know, earlier when, you know, you have people saying, oh, I've I've seen you before in a vision. This is like a deja vu. You know, it's less weird than that. But it's also weird just from the standpoint of uh, this situation is is kind of tense and I don't know how it's going to unfold. And I'm worried for some people. So it is a weird thing overall, like just what is happening, why he why Adam drivers in the situation that he's in. But at the same time, I was thinking to myself, hey, um, you know, I, I trust where the movie is going to take me. And it, it ends up in in a very, like, somewhat sweet thing. So what did you yeah. feel about the ending? I, I agree with you. I like that it kind of, again, being a bomb bomb, especially, like, there's a, there there is a optimistic take on where things go that, sure. I, that I enjoyed. Um, yeah. So yeah. with, with that said, we can run the rest of the clock out. Just talk about how amazing the end credits of this movie are. <laughs> I mean, the end credits were like, it, it, it reminded me of an OK Go song, but it was also just, I was, again, it, it speaks to how weird this movie is. Yeah. And why, have, why I love it. You have the LCD sound system humming out this song, a new, new body rumba. Yeah. And it's just this extended sequence of everybody in the grocery store with like, what I assume are interpretive dancers in various aisles along <laughs> with the cast just doing very specific moves and right. it's this like it's like a choreographed dance but at the same they're like shopping but also kind of dancing and then it becomes like a wide shot of like the whole room doing right. it's just it's great it's so fucking cool <laughs> like, and, and Aaron can you tell pe- how, how can you tell people how long this is it's a seven minute song it's, it's long yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's long it's not like oh here they are it's like in the 30 seconds like and then they cut to credits like it's a long sequence you, you know how cool it was uh, you know when like a movie ends on Netflix and it's like now you can watch this. Yeah. Netflix is like no, you just sit here and enjoy this. It did. It didn't even come up. I until, was glad until after the whole thing happened. It's like great, good job Netflix for a yeah. change. You on know this how thing. I feel about that. Yeah, yeah. I, I want. I want to watch the credits by myself. Netflix, just mm. leave them alone. And they're like, I, I we it. get what Bob Bach has done, and we're gonna let the whole thing play out before we recommend you watching the Recruit or whatever the hell. Like it's gonna the be Recruit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the yeah, we'll have a different Disney movie for you or a different uh, holiday movie for you. So I, I love the I love the credits, and I also loved again speaking of like movie making like i like when people take chances and do weird things you know what i mean like and you know i talked about babylon and again this is not to say that babylon is more safe but at least babylon was also doing something that we've seen 
that's different from the Avengers movies or all the MCU stuff where it's just like, here's this movie about old Hollywood and being weird. And I wish it had gotten a little bit weirder. But, you know, this movie, you know, White Noise is, is a weird movie. Like, I can't explain it other way than saying it's about the 80s, but it's also about, like, I don't even know what else. Like, it's about, like, the occult or something. I don't know. But it's, it's there's a lot of, like, weird mishmash of, like, themes in this movie that I really, really dug. I I agree. And, yeah, it's just... I couldn't tell you that Noah Baumbach was going to do something like this one day. Like that, that's the biggest surprise of it all where it's like something this like big and out there coming from the guy that gave us, yeah, squid and the whale and uh, Margo at the wedding uh, and Greenberg. I forgot about that. We're just like this guy. (laughs) Yeah. These are such like sad movies. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, no, I, you know, I can't say like, I love this movie. I can't, it's not by any means perfect nor does it have to be. Um, but I did appreciate the fact that it just exists in its own weird bubble being what it is. Yeah. When should people go and see this movie? It's currently streaming on Netflix and it is in theaters. It wasn't theaters for you oh, know, wow. limited limited release, but it was, it's been around. So when, when do people see this? Been around. Um, <laughs> I would say that it, on, on our streaming scale, this would be one of those ones that you should watch um, at the top of the streaming scale. Like you, you don't have to put it in queue. You don't have to wait for it to just be bored one day. You should try and make it a priority. I would agree with you. I, I think if you want something that's just unique and different and coming from a proven auteur, yeah, there's a lot to admire about uh, this insane movie. And that yeah. song rocks. It'll close this episode, obviously. It's, a good song. <laughs> like, yeah. it's great. It's a good song. So, yeah, I do want to watch it again, though, and, and really pick up on it. But, um, yeah, it, it's uh, it's pretty good stuff from from everybody. And, again, those kids, adorable. Yeah. All right. Well, that's been our review of white noise let's move on let's get to our final review of women talking where i come from where your mother comes from we didn't talk about our bodies we were given two days to forgive the attackers before they returned we hardly knew how to read or to write but that day we learned how to vote do nothing Stay and fight. Leave. If we do not forget these men, we forfeit our place in heaven. Surely there must be something worth living for in this life, not only the next. We know that we've not imagined these attacks. We know that we are bruised and infected and pregnant and some of us are dead. We cannot forgive because we are forced to all right that should have been some of the trailer for women talking director sarah Polly has returned for various reasons she hasn't made a film since 2012's critically praised documentary stories we tell which we've praised quite a bit on this show yeah uh shot in toronto during the pandemic women talking is based on miriam toe's 2018 novel that was inspired by a real life events involving a mennonite community in bolivia in this film, eight women living in an isolated religious colony grapple with what to do upon realizing that the men in their community have been drugging and raping them at night for years. Will they stay and fight, or will they leave altogether? Abe, mm-hmm. I want to hear your take on women talking. Uh, this is a really good film. Like this is a really good film in the sense of, in all senses of the word, like the the story that they're telling here. Haha, <laughs> just Sarah Polly. Um, the story that they're telling here, but also the way that it's written. And the way that it's shot, it's almost like this bottle film, but it's almost like this basically a um, it's almost like a, a courtroom drama to some degree. 
um, where it's just them deliberating about what they should be doing in the next phase of this um, this course of action that they're trying to take here. And again, there's competing voices and what have you, and there's really strong performances from everybody, um, including um, uh, he doesn't have a lot of say, and he's not really in there a whole much, but Ben Wishaw is just like, he's one of the best actors. And I, I have a question for you later, just by Ben Wishaw's career and whether it is exactly where it should be, or, or you thought he was going to be a bigger star. But um, I think that this movie is just a really, really well done movie. And I can see why it's, it's being produced by Brad Pitt's production company. In addition to like, I think Claire Foy is also a producer, or a producer on this movie. Um, but yeah, it, McDormand is. Oh, McDormand. I'm sorry. Yeah. McDormand is, is the producer on this movie, but it's a really strong movie. Um, I, I'm curious to hear what kind of a buzz that it has, but um, yeah, I, I enjoy this for all the aspects like technical and also acting wise technical. I, I think that the score is great as well. It certainly has a lot of um, acclaim as far as what that could potentially lead to. There's certainly going to be a fight for which actors get like nominated for stuff or what have you. And just, I, they have Mara going as lead and everybody else is supporting, which is, hmm. A choice. Um, So I don't think I like it as much as you do. I don't dislike the film by any means, but I do like I have mild reservations in the midst of a film that is admirable for a variety of reasons. Um, I agree with you that the performances for the most part are pretty good. I have an issue. I don't I don't think Claire Foy is particularly great here. I it might be the writing, but I just I I didn't find the way she was putting out what's going on with her character to be as affecting as I think the movie wanted me to feel. Uh, and I could similarly say something stays the same about Jesse Buckley, but I think Buckley's yeah. doing the best she can with the material given to her. That's interesting. Uh, I, I thought you were going to bring it both as well. But anyway, go ahead. Well, I, what I will say is that I think the older women in this movie are pretty great. I think Judith Ivy is maybe the best performance in this movie. Um, and then the other was it, uh, what's the other one. Is it Sheila McCarthy? Is that regardless? They, they're, cause, you know, there's yeah. there's eight main women in this, and right. I do think the the older women I think are the ones that are giving the most that, that resonated as far. It just feels to me. It just felt like they they felt like the standouts. Yeah. Um. And then yeah, Ben Wishaw also very good in this movie. Um. Yeah. And I'm aware that like the book this movie's based on is told from his perspective, and that's interesting. And I can see why. A movie directed by Sarah Polly called Women Talking isn't going to focus on Ben Wishaw. <laughs> like, I think, sure. I feel like, yeah. yeah, that that's a that's a that's a you know the right kind of choice to make. I think the what's holding me back a bit is that for a movie that's it's not too long, it's not too short either. Mm-hmm. It does feel like it goes in circles a bit. Where I, I kept feeling like we're like obviously there's a thing to there's something being dealt with that they have to go over and figure out like the best course of action. And I don't know if I was just expecting something more, not like more from like a scale perspective. I think setting it in pretty much one or two locations made sense given just the parameters of this movie and what have you. But I kept feeling like the script was trying to like, it felt it felt like there was something that like else needed to happen here. And instead I just kept getting the same women discussing different ways about the same thing. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So it's like, I, I'm engaging with this and I'm appreciating it. And I, for the most part, these performances are registering the way they feel they need to, but it's like, I was getting like somewhat exhausted feeling like, okay, like what, what, like, yeah, we, I get that. Some of you don't want to do this thing. And some of you want to do this thing. Like what else do we got? Like it's, (laughs) it was a weird like grappling point that I had is trying to get it. But at the same time, at the same time, like, I think like Rudy Mara, like, 
I liked her at her character's attitude and the way it kind of differed from the others. Mm-hmm. I by default, her having this kind of relationship with Ben Wishaw's character, like I I I enjoyed that just because it was pleasant. Yeah. I like that there are moments of levity to break up what is a very, you know, <laughs> very quite a very, serious topic. Quite yeah. a serious topic. Uh, and it's even and it's shot to make you look make you feel that way. Like it's very desaturated, very muted yeah. colors. Um like I I want. I don't want to. I don't want to say it's stagey, because uh, I don't feel that way. I don't feel like. I feel like it's very cinematic, and it does enough to make itself feel like a contained film, as opposed to what we were talking about with the whale. Like mm-hmm. I don't. But it. But it. I was wondering. There just there were some weird editing choices for me. I, I'm not trying. I don't. I keep like. I feel like I keep saying like things that are bad. About <laughs> it. I'm not trying to do no, that. It's just more of. I'm trying to examine why it is that I don't like have this high on the praise list as opposed to just like, oh, it's pretty good. Because I feel like like Frances McDormand comes in here and then she's just like gone for the rest yeah, of the movie. And I just and I was like, where are certain people at certain times? Like it is I was just sure. I, it felt like the editing kind of felt off to me in certain instances. Is any of this registering with you? That- it does. And this is what I would say. And again, this is not to say that you're wrong and I'm right. It's it's kind of just more how I, I saw it and sure. I out to you, which is there's just people that have differences of opinion. Not not you and I, but like in this movie. Yeah. So that's where the Claire Foy and the Jesse Buckley, like I, I knew that you're going to pinpoint those two because those are the people that probably have the most quote unquote anger in their voice. And they kind of have like the most differing of opinion about the, that is different from the group, which is fairly like, um, fairly like, you know, uh, uh, equanimous. Uh, and so it, I agree with you that the, the older woman in this movie mm-hmm. bang out performances, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like um, I I don't know their names either. I apologize. I mean, you mentioned you mentioned Judith Ivy, but I think like Sheila McCarthy, and then there's like another person too. Mm-hmm. Fantastic there, right? And I agree with you that there is like you know when it becomes too, uh, when it becomes too much, sometimes they do break it up with like, well, here's like this little other vignette of like Runamar or Rooney Mara, and then also like there's like now here we'll break it up with like Ben Wishaw coming in and kind of like talking about how his family was or what have you, you know, and then they break it up with like those two teenage kids that are in this movie too. So there's like that, those elements there to sort of intersect, but in large part, again, this is why I kind of liken it to a courtroom uh, type of drama is just, yeah, they can only really talk about one thing, which is like, are they going to go? Or are they going to stay? Right. Or um, do nothing. Like they have three choices. Right. And so like at the end of the day, like you're going to have people that differ on voices. Um, but I think, this is where I was curious, like, oh, was this based off of like a book, like a, a real life book? I know that it's based off of a a uh, a book, right. but I mean, I mean, like a memoir kind of thing. You know what I mean? Um, which I don't think that it is, right? Well, it's based on a real event that occurred. A real event, yeah, yeah, in Bulgaria. You mentioned Bolivia, Bolivia. Um, and so yeah, I mean, whether it was one of those things where you know it actually happened in, in let's say, a Mennonite community in like the 2010s or what have you. Like that would have been fascinating to see, because uh, I was waiting for the end there to say like, well, now the women did this and this and this, and they they set out on like on on their journey and this happened, but that didn't happen necessarily. But with all that being said, I I agree with you that there are certain select choices of some characters being maybe too strong or or a little bit too vocal or what have you, and then all of a sudden some people kind of go away and like that's just how I guess that the movie played it out. But I I did enjoy. Uh, what I was seeing when they were talking about this and, and kind of just having this back and forth about like, well, what does that actually mean in relation to you as a person individually there in that community versus the men in that community? 
but also what does that mean in your relationship with God and your relationship, like with your own religion? You know what I mean? Like, why would he make this happen to you and force you to like, you know, be upon your knees uh, to like these men who are awful to you? And I was like, this is, these are like the writing in here is subtle, but it's also really relevant. When it is examining those aspects, I did find it the most intriguing when you have these characters that are, you know, not necessarily opposed, but like, positioned in a way where they need to contend with the fact that they are a part of this religious community mm-hmm. and they do have certain expectations, but at the same time they're being challenged and what do you do next? Like I like that kind of yeah. stuff because that's getting into the weeds of things and doing something interesting. I think what it comes down to specifically with Foy and Buckley's characters is that yes, they're forceful and they have the most anger because they're opposed in a lot of instances, but it it is that thing where it feels more like it's being presented to me as a state as a stage play like it, sure. it's yeah. where it's very pronounced acting where and it feels very much like i'm being yelled at what what i'm supposed to feel about all of this as opposed yeah. to coming off more nuanced which is what the act the older actors i believe are bringing to the table in this regard mm-hmm. so it's you know it is you know because foy buckley they're good actors <laughs> so it's yeah. like if it's registering to me in a way where i'm not connecting with it the way i know the movie wants me to like that to me, that spells problem. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I will say something I liked a lot is that the movie is essentially set now, but it's a Mennonite community. So it's like, it's, you know, it can't bring up certain things and it even has to right. address them certain ways. So I like the idea that we're given this kind of, you, this like timeless look to an extent while still incorporating yeah. the fact that it's a modern world that they exist in but they just don't know it like they don't know how to read or write they right. that's what they have been with Shaw's character he's sympathetic to them and he knows how to read and write so that's why he's there to begin he's with. also an outcast yeah, yeah that too um but like they, they mentioned things like going into town or whatnot to do certain things but like they communicate that in the way that they know how to as opposed to saying like yeah i went to cvs and got pharmaceutical like whatever it's just like it's yeah. it has to come out across a certain way which is like this is interesting i like this kind of is the, the stuff that's going on here it's set in 2010 by the way um yeah exactly uh, so it's like that, that that kind of like aesthetic that kind of that kind of texture that's being added to this movie to contextualize what's what this world is for them i, right. I found that to be like interesting world building stuff yeah, I thought so background. too. And again, like, you know, we talked about uh, Witness not too long ago, just at a joke, but at the same time, you know, you, we've seen types of movies where somebody new comes into the community or what have you. And this one is like, no, the, we're actually just going to be like, nobody's coming in. We're just, you're just in this world here. You have to like understand the, what their uh, colloquialisms are and, and what have you and just be in it. You know, like the most that you're going to know is that this, guy ben wishaw went to college somewhere and you never know which college he went to or what have you it's just more that like he's just like this knowledgeable guy and that's the most exposure you're going to have to like the outside world mm-hmm. which is a very you know unique thing to have because these women are all very eloquently speaking um and they all are are able to express their feelings through words and yet there's like this there's like this element of like the unknown out there so it's almost like this uncharted territory back in like the 1800s or what have you right mm-hmm. so it's it's pretty fascinating on that on that front and sarah Polly is really good at this you know you just mentioned a movie that she made stories we tell which is like half movie half documentary and you don't really know that until you watch the movie and it's it she's really good at being able to create this like world for you uh and so uh i credit her as well for sure i want to ask you about um uh, some of the technical elements of this, and you mentioned the color choices. It's a little bit washed out. 
mm-hmm. and it's a little bit muted mm-hmm. um versus the movie that we didn't really like this year uh with will smith um what did you think of the use of of their color tone in this movie versus you don't have to specifically you know call out emancipation but just more of that you know i talked about that movie it, and how it didn't really work and we didn't really know why they chose to do this the, the fact that it took me a few seconds to think, what Will Smith movie? <laughs> says a lot about my thoughts on emancipation. Yeah. Um, but right. You can't make me laugh so hard. I'm going to start coughing. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I do think it's, I, I think because the film has a, there, there's very much a stylistic choice being made here as far as we're set in largely a location. We're only dealing with these characters. We're not, we're specifically not seeing the men we see boys and we see Ben Wishab. We're not seeing the right. men by face. Uh, like, you know, there's there's a lot informing the choices to begin with where I can understand, like, yeah, you have this kind of old feel to the film, like on purpose. And so muting everything um, gives a sense of the state of mind these characters are in, obviously. Um, and even if it's obvious, I still think it's effective for this film. And especially when you like go outside into the fields and stuff, it just like it it registered in a way where, yes, it's a choice that's very deliberate. Right. But I do think the context of the film suggests that this makes it appropriate without yeah. feeling like a gimmick. I agree. Um, and my my thought on it was that okay, well, it's muted because they don't really want you to care about anything other than what they're saying, which is pretty effective. And the only time that I, I thought that maybe they added more saturation was maybe when the kids are playing outside in a few sequences with the sun setting, um, which might have symbolized innocence right before um, before these men kind of take it away. Um, and I think that there's a larger theme here, too, and one that Sarah Polly is very keen on, which is parenting. Um, if you've watched Stories We Tell, it's very much about, you know, good parents, <laughs> Um, to some degree and and who's responsible for what even though there's there's more to that there but in this movie there's there's this discussion about Ben Wishaw's character and kind of just at what age might be too young or too old for for these young boys to go with them if they so chose and he basically gives this really nice monologue and I'm curious your thoughts about that theme of just you know it's it's not so much about like you can unlearn some things too, but it's more about like loving and teaching with love. Yeah. That's the kind of meat of the film that I appreciated because you're getting Mm -hmm. a great sense of, you know, Rooney Mara asks, you know, if we're fighting, if we fight them, what are we fighting for? Like, it's one thing to fight them just to fight them, but like, what's, you know, what happened, what's next, what happens after that? Yeah. And so I like that those two characters, they do want to like, have a means of addressing what that's supposed to be and what that future could be or what it is about the nature of people that can be altered or what have you. Like that's the kind of stuff where, yeah, I appreciate it because it's digging in in a way that I, you know, it's, it's given me something I wanted to hear. I wanted sure. to know, I wanted to know what beyond the plan was, what the goal was. And sure. so that I did appreciate that quite a bit. Got it. Uh, I have a question for you. How about that? Michael? Um, the next day, what happens? <laughs> what happens in this community the next day? <laughs> <laughs> then the men just like come back there's like where'd all the women go um <laughs> uh i don't have an answer for this question okay. because yeah. i think it's I well because i think it's it's so rooted in its stylization that that's beyond the point right it's the sure. fact that they consciously made a decision to take an act to take an action right uh, as opposed to you know whatever that future beholds for them it's the fact that there's a 
a great beyond that they're willing to choose instead of remaining subservient or what have you. That right. That's what matters more. Yeah, I agree. That, that's yeah. the that's the inception ending questions. Like, what matters is he found his kids. I mean, you know, that's, that's, doesn't matter which reality he's living in. He's with his kids. Yeah, yeah. got it. Yeah. Um, did you like the music in this movie? Yeah, by Hildur. I had no idea, but I was just thinking to myself, oh, this is really good, like guitar playing or. Yeah, it's the it's the 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 woman who composed the score who won an Oscar for Joker. Um, is that right? Wow. Yeah, Hildur Guanda de Tour. Um, she did the music for Tar as well, and um, wow. And he's, yeah, she's had a big year. Yeah, she's um, had a big year. She's gonna get nominated in one of those. Very likely, yeah. Um, yeah. No, yeah, I thought the score was effective and haunting in its own way, and mm-hmm. did what it needed to. Yeah, for sure. Did you? I really like the score, um, and I like that it's it's basically only used you know a few times throughout this movie. It's not as though you're being beaten over the head with like a score as you're talking over things. It's it's pretty quiet. It's it's largely a quiet movie, um, minus like a few a few scenes. So I did enjoy that. And then uh, again, on a technical standpoint, cinematography I think is really good. Um, uh, really good use of uh, again sunsets, but just open fields, which mm-hmm. is. Not hard to do, but at the same time, like you could actually do it wrong as well. And a movie that Aaron and I talk about all the time, which does it right, is um, Real Steel. I was like, wow, <laughs> surprisingly, like you guys have really good cinematography here. Like this giant open field there where he's where Hugh Jackman is walking alone. Like I really wish uh, Sean Levy has that, like would have cashed that check a little more in his movie <laughs> since then because it's like we keep praising Hugh Real Steel, Real Steel. but it's not like. It's not like that led to like a whole new realm for 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 John Levy to be like, oh, now he's really impressing us with every movie he's done since then. What has he done since? Uh, well, free, well, Free Guys one. Um, oh, okay, so he starts with Ryan Reynolds. It's yeah, it's Free Guy, the internship, which sucks. The third Night at the Museum movie, which is fine. The Adam Project, which is oh, okay, I got it, got it. Um, This is where I leave you. That's that one with like Adam Driver and Jason Bateman and Tina Fey, and like their dad dies and whatever. Um, (laughs) Wow, like he's just such a middle of the mid tier director. So it's like it was was like this. Like I, you know, I don't like Free Guy was fun. Like it's not it's not particularly cinematically unique beyond like oh yeah they had a lot of special effects. That's cool. Sure. So it's like every time we talk about real steel, it's like, yeah, it look cool. It's a good looking movie. <laughs> yeah, it's got some good heart in it. But yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I'm looking at his MDB now. It's just, a, you know, you just want to be like, oh, the, you know, okay, here it is. The, the real steel, the cinematographer is Mauro Fior, who did mm-hmm. who did the cinematographer at, for Avatar, for both Avatar movies. Well, okay, <laughs> now I get it. <laughs> or the, sorry, the first Avatar. Um, Still not bad. Which James and James Cameron chose him. I talked about this in the commentary, but James Cameron chose him because of Tears of the Sun, a movie that's decidedly okay, but the yes. the jungle cinematography is very effective. Yeah, so it's, I agree, and some of yeah, those like sunset scenes are pretty effective. Yeah, so he shot sunset. he shot real steel. Like and so it's like Got that it. adds up. He's a good he's a good cinematographer. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, women talking. Yeah, it looks good. <laughs> yeah, women talking looks good. Score is good. Again, the acting is good. Um, were, are there any were there any performance wise were the things you wanted to well, highlight there? Yeah, I know I was just bagging on people, but like no, 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 you I know, ones but that you wanted to. That's highlight? kind of where I was curious around what what was going to be nominated, and you mentioned Rooney mara might be the one that's putting out in lead i think it's like well they're putting choice. her as lead but i mean they're still that supporting and it's probably foy like just because he does i don't know they're yeah. both loud and like that right and that's the kind of thing that gets attention for oscar voters like who's yeah who's, 
I'm not. I'm not saying loud is bad. It's just more. No, of, I, I what's the thing? I, I'm just saying to throw the. List yeah, I would like, say that you know, there's like the woman with like the uh, the teeth. I would nominate her for supporting. She's, oh yeah, she's well that's the yeah. I I think everyone that's being undersung in this movie, and everyone in the technical category that is being like everything that's not being referenced the most when it comes to what the awards buzz is, I think is the stuff yeah. that deserves the most credit. So yeah, it's, like, it's also weird because I was like, you know, you could also nominate like one of the the teenage daughters in this as supporting too, like the one that that um the blonde girl, um because she's carrying a lot of the some of the the weight here too. She's got a scene with Ben Wishaw about about Ben Wishaw's mother, um and you know. You know, so I, I it's hard for me to say that as an ensemble, yes, this is a good ensemble for sure. And there is not, unfortunately, a category for best ensemble picture. Um, it looks like I'm just looking at its awards so far from like critics groups and whatnot. It looks like Wishaw and Buckley are the ones that are getting constantly nominated for stuff. So Wishaw, yeah, Buckley. I forget which side of the fence Buckley was on uh, in terms of uh, her stance in the movie. She um, wants to um, fight. She's a fighter. Stay, stay and fight and put a, was, pull a bullet in everybody. Is that, yeah. is that her? Okay. Yeah, she wants to fight. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I get her stance too. And she also has like a, a different, you know, physical thing that she has to deal with later in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. So I can see that. But at the same time, like, I don't know who I would nominate on on this because it's very difficult because Rudy Mara herself is, she's fine. She's probably like the most level-headed. But also, is it just because of re- name recognition that you would put, not you, Aaron, but, you know, the people would, be putting her as as lead. well it's because like she has that relationship with with so it's like there's like you can look at it from the outside and be like well she has the most to do therefore she's the lead like i okay. think that's the logic that they'd be going with yeah and i guess that she it, you know she is you know again that level-headed person so she helps them get to the vote but yeah i i don't know like it'd be hard for me to to, to choose if you if you were to tell me to choose again i don't think that I would choose rini mara as best actress a lot of these will probably be in supporting more than more than lead. Sure. So that's kind of where I fall. Do you want to ask me about Ben Wishaw? I do want to ask you about Ben Wishaw. So Ben Wishaw is a is an actor that we've known for quite a while now. Um, I don't know when you first saw him, but I think I first saw him in that one with Tom Hanks, um, with the True True Cloud Atlas. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I. Uh-huh. I've known Wishaw's. Well, I, I mean, I, I've seen Layer Cake, but I didn't at the time think like, oh, who's this one guy? Yeah, Ben Wishaw, because he's like a supporting role. Perfume, Perfume, the story of murder is the first time I was like, oh, this is, okay. uh, which is a wild movie in itself. Yeah. The Tom Tickwer film. Speaking of Cloud Atlas, the same director, um, <laughs> along with the Wachowskis, obviously. But yeah. um, so because he's that, and he's in like I'm not there. It was like a back to back. I'm like, oh, this guy's coming up. He's got some. He's got some juice. So yeah, we've seen him in in these movies where he's played small role characters, but very exquisitely and even in larger scale movies like skyfall where he becomes q and you're just like who is this guy and it's ben wishaw and so i'm curious like what what do you think of ben wishaw as uh as his as far as his careers arced uh well as far as i'm concerned he's already done two paddingtons so it's like what else does he need to he's already one in life yeah <laughs> yeah he's like well there's nothing else he needs to do <laughs> um, mm-hmm. as, as far as i'm concerned um i would also note just because i want to um he's on this show called this is going to hurt that yes i believe it's like a bbc show but it was on amc as well i've heard good things it's great and he's great in it and i think he won something for like you know as far as that goes as far mm-hmm. as whatever british awards there are or something like that or you know he won a gotham award that's what it was wow. um i mean i he's not a huge actor to be i feel like his his career is going about as well as it needs to be going on okay. i mean he's like he's doing a great job he's being great in things he has a fan base to an extent 
Um, he's he's not a leading man as far as traditional Hollywood type movies go. So mm-hmm. I'm not expecting him to have more going on than he necessarily does. But I I feel like he's been very successful in the stuff he's provided. And yeah, so it's so a role like this in Women Talking, despite being the one male guy, um, it, it's not like he's not bad. It's not like he's not good in this movie. He is very good in this movie. So it's it's very like, good. I you know if that if that lifts him up as far as where he goes next, given the you know the range he's showing by playing a character like this, cool. I mean, I'm down with that for sure. He's great. Yeah. Okay. You? You have a? Thought yeah, I was I was just curious because I, I I think I'm wondering if you know his career should be much larger than it is now. But I agree with you that he's he's constantly working, right? You know, yeah. he's a British actor and he's done a ton of British television. And he continues to be working. And again, he pops up in small roles here and there. And you're like, oh, here's Ben Wishaw, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I guess that I agree with you that maybe he's not classically like, quote, unquote, leading man, you know, where he's not like big, burly, you know, Daniel Craig type thing. Mm-hmm. At the same time, like, you know, I, I enjoy whenever I see him because I think he's a really uh, talented actor. Um, and again, he, he shows quite the range in here with just a few facial expressions here and, and here and again. But also, like, even at a certain point where he has to... <laughs> Where he he tells like Una that he loves her, mm-hmm. and and then that old nice woman who I would probably nominate for supporting as well a different woman, um not the not the teeth lady, but she's like she loves you as well, and then she he's got to go do some of the yeah that's that's forward. Judith Ivy that's the one Judith that Ivy saves yeah. MVP in this movie there you um, go yeah uh well, cool um yeah. I think we've talked plenty about women talking so when should people go and see this movie it's gonna it's really it's been released in select theaters during christmas and it goes everywhere i believe a, a week from now on the 13th yeah. or on the 12th on the 13th i certainly enjoyed it more than you would you had so i would say that this is a theater movie yeah i mean i would say this is still a dollar theater movie like okay. i do think it's you know it's telling a story that yes certainly has you know we we barely touched upon the you know the way the themes connect to today's environment or what have you but it certainly has this importance yeah. quality that i don't think is being taken for granted here. I think it does what it needs to and what it's addressing. Um, and it's certainly, you know, very dramatic and what have you. Uh, but yeah, I think there's enough like qualities here that certainly, you know, earn it to the, you know, big screen reviewing as, as one, as one would want sure. from any movie. Um, so yeah, I, I'd certainly say it's worthwhile. Sorry. Last question for you. Sarah Polly, is she known to be a, uh, like pick and choose type of director or is it more of, is something really intriguing is when, in, is when she'll, she'll, take uh, a job so uh there's there's a number of answers to that for first mm-hmm. off uh, she's basically retired from acting like that stopped yeah. pretty much 2010 like she just kind of stopped she's, she's just full-on director now um so yes there's a 10-year gap between this and stories we tell uh there's reasonings behind that um that can be looked up because i don't want to go into all of it but essentially she was circling a project uh there was an injury in her life uh, that caused uh, several years of not doing anything really, um, and just other things going on that eventually led to her taking on this project, um, mm-hmm. and that's you know why she made a movie now. But she certainly seems to be wanting to direct and continue doing that. It's just life got in the way. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it's it's you know I don't necessarily see her lining up to do some IP project, but in terms of wanting to make movies because she can, yeah, it seems like that. So, got it. Okay. All right, well, that's been our review of Women Talking, and that concludes all of our reviews for the W3. <laughs> um, so that's going to bring us to the end of this bonus episode. You can find more of my work, my personal blog, the code is com. Everything I do ends up over there. I write for Why So Blue and We Live Entertainment on both sites right now. You can find various top 10 lists I've made on Why So Blue. I have made my list of uh, top Blu-ray and 4K releases of the year. 
Um, and on We Live Entertainment, I have my current top 10 list as well as my favorite movie moments of the year uh, all up. Put wow. Lots of work into all of those. Lots of fun to put together. Um, so be sure to check out those sites to find those links. And um, on Twitter, Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff over my Instagram, abe.mua, and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Hashtag, do you want me to chew gum or not? Or do you want me to chew sugar-free gum or chew sugar gum with uh, colors in it? (laughs) (laughs) Mess that one up. (laughs) Uh, You can find all the other episodes about now on iTunes, IDBoom, Spotify, Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomatic, we're all over the place. We're on the internet. Yep. You can find us on all the socials and everything, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, That's going to do it for this episode we do have another episode coming which is going to be a spoilery episode focused on avatar and glass onion so stay tuned for that uh and of course we have our top 10 show coming in weeks as well yeah but that's gonna do it for this week's episode so until next time so long and goodbye